and welcome to Two Bald Men and Friend, the show where we talk about issues and ideas using pop culture as the springboard. I'm your host, Joe, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. And today we're joined by our friend, Danielle. Hello. Today we're talking about Joker. So, spoiler alert for that. Sit back, relax, or if you're driving, please sit upright and continue to drive vigilantly. Danielle, it's a pleasure to have you back, I have to say. Yes, I am very happy to be here. Welcome back. Well, what was the last thing you were on? The last thing I was on was the Stranger Things 2 episode with um, child actors. Oh, right, 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 right. And we liked that, right? Yeah, we love child actors. Um, everything about child actors. Yeah. We follow them. Uh, <laughs> we demand their <laughs> attention yeah. at all times. We call them like phonies when yeah. they don't give us their attention. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, that's how Something I remember like that, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what do you guys think of Stranger Things three? Just real quick, no spoilers. Oh, that wrecked me. In a good in or a bad good way. way. Okay. I've never cried harder in my life, but I was kind of down with that. I don't believe you at all. I think you've cried <laughs> very hard in your life. <laughs> um. I enjoyed the season. I'm excited for season four, but I also think season three would have been a perfect series finale. Mm. So, like, I'm a little bit mixed on how they did things. Interesting. I had a lot of negative things to say about season three, but specifically comparing them to seasons one and two. Mm -hmm. I think as a show, it's still pretty solid. You can read about it on (laughs) TwoBaldMenPodcast.com in the blog section. Woo! Have we mentioned we have a blog? Um, on Instagram. I don't know if we've actually <laughs> mentioned it on the on the main thing oh, that we man. that we do. <laughs> what do we do? Oh, the recording. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So yeah, we have a website which includes a blog. Uh, so Ooh. if you don't get enough of our opinions, but too much of our voices, you can do that. <laughs> uh. Hey everyone. Uh, Danielle, tell us uh, a little something that happened this week or. Whatever. Okay, so I'm a teacher. I teach English, and I was absent yesterday. Unfortunately, I was sick. So I was pretty bored at home. I had nothing to do. So I decided to open up my Chromebook and go on GoGuardian, which is this website that... So all the students have Chromebooks through the district, and I can have all their screens up on my Chromebook through this website so I could see exactly what they are doing at any second, like, live. Um, I have the power to exit out and add things and lock their Chromebooks and whatnot. Uh, So I was doing that every time a period started that I knew. (laughs) I was like, all right, time to start a new session. And I'd just sit there and exit out every little thing that (laughs) they were doing wrong. And they were probably like, she's not even here. Oh, Spotify? (laughs) Click. Yeah. So a few of them during my eighth period class, um, the second I started the session, they all started messaging me on it. And at first it was just like, one was just like, hi. (laughs) And I was like, hey, do your work. And one was like, yo. And this one um, was actually not in the room at the time, but (laughs) he was messaging me. And he was like, yo. And I could see at the time that he was listening to Spotify when he was not supposed to be. So I told him, you can listen to Frank Ocean later. Do my work now. But that whole... (laughs) 40 minutes was just them messaging me and then they would do my work and write to me saying okay miss i did the work i was like i'm not there so you can um you could tell the sub that so that's how i spent my day off um, yeah. talking to my kids i really enjoy go guardian um being absent or getting pulled for like uh professional development still allows me to have some control of my classroom mm-hmm. and It really only takes, like, the first five to ten minutes for the kids to realize that they are accountable, and then I can leave again, Mm -hmm. and they can be like, oh, man, he's watching. (laughs) I I turn off the chat feature, but -hmm. then they just open a new tab and type in the search bar what they want to say to me, and I'm like, oh, it's working. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And the only way for me to respond to them is by blocking their tabs and in the block have a message. (laughs) So I'm like, stop. (laughs) let me be this seems like a great opportunity to like dunk on your students like if you like do your work also that isn't even Frank Ocean's best song 
Um, I have the ability, this was a few years ago, to give and take away points to the class. And, like, they have a reward system Mm. that gets... And uh, the gym teacher, sorry, the physical education teacher was covering my class and he was texting me. And I was like, all right, is class dojo up? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to start taking points away to random people. (laughs) And he was like, cool. And so he would be, like, standing up, walking around, and they'd hear the sound and be like, what? What? (laughs) Wait, how does he know? <laughs> Matilda? <laughs> That's right, baby. <laughs> I'm Matilda. Um, so, Danielle, do you think you can give us a, a short synopsis of Joker? Yes, I can. Okay, so Joker is about this man, Arthur Fleck, who, through his mental illness and him wondering about his place in society... He has this harsh descent into becoming one of, probably, I'm not going to say one of, I'm going to say Gotham's most infamous villain, the Joker. Yeah, he definitely is. Uh, What is all of our relationships with iterations of Joker? Um, I personally feel like I get annoyed when people compare all of the Jokers Mm -hmm. because it's like, well, they're performing a completely different character like he has the same name but they're trying something new and that's definitely better than trying to recreate previous jokers Mm -hmm. what do you guys think i like that they're all different variations except jared leto's i really was not a fan of jared leto's joker at all oh i could talk about that for hours in the slightest but besides that i I, i'm okay with it i I, like no yeah i i very much i enjoyed that oh wow i wanted more of him but i cut you off i'm sorry (laughs) no no it's okay i just i don't know i really didn't like his but besides that i i agree i think they're all very different and i i like all of them I mean, Heath Ledger, for me, is definitely up there as being my favorite, but... Uh, my favorite Joker is uh, Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was... Yeah, he was a good one, too. Yeah, um, I agree. I like that there are different incarnations. Um, there's this really great theory, I guess. Um, there's a YouTuber that like went through it in depth, but unfortunately I don't remember who it was. But they were basically like, there's three types of Jokers, and they reflect the three like um ages of comic books like when Mm -hmm. comic books first started the joker was like very very nutty and then like yeah (laughs) then he got like a little bit more dangerous and now he's like a friggin' psychopath (laughs) yeah um with an actual following yeah i agree mark hamill I th- I think has to be my favorite. Who? Luke Skywalker. <laughs> oh, oh, excuse me, excuse okay. me. Uh, um, skips from regular show. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but since that was already said, I'm willing to bat for Jared Leto Joker. I thought mm. he looked really, really cool. <laughs> and, and we all know how I feel about Academy Award-winning Suicide Squad. So. <laughs> and what what did they win? What was the Academy Award for best? Costume, best costume, yeah. because Jared Leto looks fucking <laughs> rad. I just don't think that's enough. Okay, okay. No, no, we're not reviewing that right now. <laughs> um, I enjoy the Joker that has a societal following. Mm-hmm. I'm into that. Um, in this Joker, I read this Todd Phillips guy. I he's on so many interviews explaining his movie. That it feels like, like if you didn't fit it in your movie, then it kind of feels like you're either making it up as you go now, mm-hmm. or you messed up while you were mm-hmm. making the movie. Because because he's on record uh, explaining that the Joker in this movie might not be the Joker that fights Batman. That this Joker might be the Joker that inspires other Jokers, and one Joker happens to be Batman's villain. But I'm not going to reveal, like, what I, my true thoughts of that are. I'm like, hmm. what? Just either your movie's a standalone or not. Like, Yeah, I, I heard a prediction because people have been talking about this movie for, I don't know, like a million years now. And so... And it's only been out for one. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Oh, not years. Weeks. No, yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, this this movie's been getting a lot of buzz for a very long time, and um, one of the podcasts I listened to predicted that 
this joke, exactly what he said, I guess, that this Joker just inspires the actual Joker, who then is, like, Batman's villain. But I agree, like, they they proposed it as, like, a reveal, like... yeah. One of the, I don't know, let's just pick one at random, like Jared Leto. Like, Jared Leto's in the movie. And he's like, yeah, I like your style. And then, like... Like, I would enjoy a a kid the same age as Bruce Wayne in this movie, Mm -hmm. like, staring up at Joker on the car at the very end. And, like, putting on a mask or something. Or taking off a mask to reveal that it's a a kid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I never... I had no idea that that was said, that this was, like... That could have been someone inspiring the actual Joker, but that makes me think of it differently. I think if that is actually the case, then that would make me like it a little less, I think. I think, like, a 70-year-old Joker, though, versus yeah, Batman, that's because, the problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's something I was thinking about throughout it. I was like, if this is the Joker and he's already... I don't know, how old would you say? He was, was 30s. His, yeah, at least mid-30s. Yeah, he's going to be, at the very least, mm-hmm. mid-50s, late-50s, when Batman is Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be fair, I don't think Joker really could ever stand a chance against Batman in, like, a fist fight. Oh, yeah. But... <laughs> the fact that he's like, but being able to yell early, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's over, Joker. <laughs> then it's just cruel on yeah. Batman's part on that point. Yeah, it's um, like Batman, you just beat up an old old man. There was I saw this post For once. Justice. <laughs> I saw this post once, and it was like, if you think about it. Batman is just this guy who beats up the mentally ill. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, um, <laughs> okay. Um, so we're at least ten minutes into the episode, and we have not rated uh, Joker, nor have we really talked about the movie Joker. <laughs> so I want to take yeah. a step back, and I do have two unique ratings. So as an audience member, and people are going to be upset, I'm going to rate it two stars. I was uncomfortable in the theater and not in, like, a fun, immersive way. Like, halfway through the movie, I just realized how vulnerable I am physically in a movie theater and started looking around as, like, wow, someone could shoot me right now. And it didn't help me enjoy the movie. Hmm. I'll say I want to give it a five, but hearing you say that, Like, I definitely felt that way, too. So I think if I were watching it in my house, I'd give it a five. However, being in the theater, feeling that way, I'll bump it down to a four. Because that definitely did get in the way a a little bit. Um, As an audience member, I'm also going to give it a two. Um, I want to touch on the vulnerability thing. Because I also felt the same way. Like, oh, man, like... Is it going to happen? But I don't think that's the movie's fault. I think that's the media buzz around the movie's fault. Um, So that's not why I'm giving it a two. I'm giving it a two because I think there were a lot of things this movie did right, but it didn't, like, capitalize on them the way that I felt that, like, it should have or could have. And to me, that's worse than a movie just, like, being bad. Like, lost Mm. potential, Mm. I feel, is, like, even worse than a movie like Birdemic or Spooky Buddies, which we have an episode about. Oh, Spooky Buddies. (laughs) had no chance from the get-go, and you can just appreciate how earnestly they're trying to make this movie. Whereas this movie, I think there was a lot of really cool things that they did, like, once, and then it's like, why didn't you do that the whole movie? Yeah, uh, as a critic... I am willing to bump it up one star to three whole stars, and it does have to do with the lost potential. There were a lot of things going for the movie. The score, uh, the character piece that is Joaquin Phoenix. Is that how you say his name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, he, he laughed at me when I said it. Like I've just never heard anyone put, like say it with that like punch, Joaquin. you know? Joaquin. Like, which I'm sure is how you actually pronounce it. I, it he would love that if he were here. That's all I ever want is for Joaquin to love it. Um, and it well, you're in luck, Alex. Joaquin? <laughs> Since you can't see this, I'm going to say he is here. <laughs> But he's just going to sit in silence, because we don't have a fourth chair. (laughs) 
Um, and there were moments that were very immersive. There were parts where I was uncomfortable because I was concerned about the people in the movie. And I, I did appreciate that as a, as a piece of art. But the script, like without Phoenix, I couldn't see this movie existing. And there were a lot of little things of trying to think about what is your point as a movie? Like, what are you trying to say? And if the whole goal was, I'm not trying to say anything, the same way that Joker says on TV, like, oh, I'm not political, I'm literally just doing this for me, then I'm going to be angrier. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it did feel, especially, again, in the interviews, like, he had something to say, and I still don't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a fan of that. So it didn't make it up to four or five, but I did bump it up because of the performance, the score, and the immersiveness. I'm going to give it a four. I really, really liked a lot of the elements in it, like the characterization and the plot, and I thought Phoenix was... Amazing, but I I do agree that if it weren't him, it might have been not as good. Um, for me, there were just a couple of plot points that were a little shaky for me. That I'm not going to give it a five because of that. But I I did really enjoy it, both critic wise and audience wise. Yeah, I I think there are some movies where just because one actor carries the movie, it doesn't make it a bad movie. Mm-hmm. But you can tell like. Oh, they got in a ringer, like um, yeah. The Pacifier uh, <laughs> with Diesel. Vin Diesel. Yeah. Like, you couldn't have that movie with uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg, you Love couldn't. Him, but... He, he can't be the lead like that. No. Mm-hmm. Um, are we excited for Zombieland 2? Now oh that we're talking about Jesse Eisenberg. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm, uh... I don't know if I'm, like, necessarily excited to see it, but, like, I'm like, oh, like, I'm glad to see that that exists. (laughs) Yeah, this has been... Zombieland has been my favorite movie since 2009. Is that when it came out, or is that when you saw it? it's when it came out (laughs) and when I saw it. Besides It, which... Fall has been, like, for me. It, Chapter 2, Joker, Zombieland 2, those are, like, all my favorite things coming together. So, yeah, I'm excited. Thanks, Hollywood. You finally got my email. <laughs> um, I'm going to keep it at two stars as a critic. Um, I think it's shot really, really great. Um, again, Joaquin does a great job. Great job, Joaquin, here in the room. <laughs> Joe's shaking his hand right now. <laughs> um, I, th- I think there's a lot of great performances, but Alex, you brought up the script. I think... The script, I think the dialogue wasn't great. And not only are you stuck, like, trying to decipher what the movie was trying to say, I think I've determined that the movie doesn't have anything to say, but it's acting like it does. Mm. And, like, that again, (laughs) that to me is worse than, like, (laughs) oh, what's the message? Oh, there's different interpretations. It's like, nope. It's just <laughs> pretending to be deep, and it's not. Oh, I see. Uh, it There was a sense of, like, awkward transitions, like, mm-hmm. very similar to Boondock Saints, where scenes would just end, and then it would fade out. Mm-hmm. In Joker, scenes would end, and they would cut to a new scene. And, like, there wasn't a transition that sort of guided the, the story along, other than, oh, we're done with that piece. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. Um, But I do want to get into what I liked about it, just because I do think there is a lot of lost potential, Mm -hmm. and so I want to get into that potential. I really appreciated that Joker's laughter was like a condition. Mm -hmm. It really set up many opportunities for my discomfort being immersed in the movie, where he's laughing at inappropriate times. Mm -hmm. And... You know that that's why they did it, yeah. <laughs> um, but but it, it felt it didn't feel like a cheap trick to me, because they they used it in in good settings where Arthur, who's the Joker, is trying to like just live his life. Yeah, and you could tell how much he doesn't want to laugh in those moments. There are a couple times. There's one time where he's with his mom on the couch and he's like trying to hold it back and he lets it out for a second and she's like it's not funny like he doesn't want to and you could feel that like 
uncomfortableness that other people clearly aren't understanding. Yeah, and it, it sparks conflicts that, that end up making him into the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also just like like uncomfortable situations. When he got on stage on the comedy mm-hmm. uh, yeah. scene, I literally like wrote down in a notebook, I was like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I just wrote O O O H dot dot dot. There's just yeah. something about comedians failing, like when they're in such a vulnerable position on stage, mm-hmm. that just makes me sad. And it's not like comedians failing because they're punching down and people boo them. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, it's awkward. Yeah. Oh man, you can't can't do anything comedy these days. Am I right? <laughs> Todd Phillips. <laughs> um, yeah, D- Danielle, I like how you bring up, like, you can tell how much he doesn't mm-hmm. want to laugh. Um, and I like that he has that little card that he gives yeah. to people because I think that's another reason why it's so uncomfortable because not only is he laughing in these inappropriate situations, he can't even explain why because, yeah. like, he can't speak at that point. Yeah, I don't know... I'm not sure if I'm right with this, but I think the first time, well, the only time that we see the card when he's on the bus um, laughing when the mom yells at him and it says, please return this. Mm-hmm. I don't think she returns it. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I don't I was, think she does. Yeah, I don't. I, I, <laughs> Is this some sort of joke? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no. And then like, she just like puts, puts it in it, her yeah. pocket. Because then when it happens on the train, he's like reaching for the card and mm. then he doesn't have it. So, and then three people ended up dead. So classic. But at least he killed uh, misogynistic. Uh, yeah, if rich anyone's people. gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> um, which brings me to a concern I have about the movie. <laughs> um, there, there are, again, there are scenes that I like. I like the idea of we're gonna set it up where Joker's killing is justified and then it sort of trails off into unjustified, unnecessary killing just because he feels bad about himself. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know if they succeeded. (laughs) And that's that's a big problem that I have at at whose expense, who's feeling vindicated in this movie because the very first kill of the three um, Wayne employees Mm -hmm. were harassing this woman on the train and then they start beating Arthur up which does that happen do people see like a person laughing psychotically and go yeah we could take him let's go closer to him (laughs) yeah a a lone clown (laughs) on the midnight train (laughs) laughing uncontrollably yeah, let's uh, let's go for it. <laughs> There's three it. of us, yeah. which I do get that mentality, yeah. and they were drunk. Yeah, but that's just so terrifying mm-hmm. that I I couldn't put myself in those shoes of yeah, mm-hmm. let me get closer to him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that was definitely a little unrealistic. I think what you're getting at, Alex, is I I don't think they towed the line correctly of like rooting for the protagonist while also understanding that he's, like, a murderer. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked in the f- the murder of the three, like, frat bros <laughs> that he kills two, like, just out of kind of self-defense, and then while one's running away, he, like, follows him and, like, yeah. kills him because that, I think, kind of sets up... Yes, he killed in self-defense and it was, like, justified, but also he just goes and, like, kills this third guy when he right. d- really didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, it's within the first killing, so it's mm-hmm. it's smart to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I agree. I, I, think, I think he's a little too sympathetic. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, it's such a double-edged sword because I appreciate a, a couple of things that they recognize about mental illness, like... Arthur has good quotes of, like, how he's been trying to handle his mental illness, which we don't identify. We know that he takes seven different medications to Mm -hmm. try to handle himself. We know that he was abused as a child. um, And we know that his mother suffered from mental illness. But really, we get his his mannerisms and his quirks to sort of determine that, like, he's creepy-ish. And... As a statement, there's this concern of we need to be nicer to people, be more humane to people, but we also need to keep ourselves safe from 
from like isolated people because if they're not getting the help that they need, they they can be dangerous. Right. And that's a a line that they didn't really tow. It mm-hmm. was just like, oh, these people are mean to him. He's so sympathetic and vulnerable. No yeah. wonder he went to kill people. Right. Yeah, something I will say that I didn't really like that I think sends the message is be nice to people or they could be mass murderers. Mm-hmm. But it's like, one, no, just be nice to people. Two, that's not... If someone is becoming a mass murderer, it's not just because people weren't nice to them. It's clearly a deeper issue going on there. So I felt that kind of sent across the wrong message. And one of my friends got that from me. We got in the car after, and he was like, yeah, really teaches you to be nice to people or they'll start <laughs> killing people. And my friend and I were like, no, that's not that's not how it should be. But. Yeah, there's that happened during um, people were walking out due to gun violence mm-hmm. in schools and then someone else started a movement of like how about walk up how about yeah. find people who are isolated and walk up to them and be nice that's how you solve gun violence <laughs> so, well why'd you why'd you sit on that for so long <laughs> yeah. um i think i think there is like a, a mismanaging of the mental health issue in this movie from what you guys have been saying like yes be be kind to people but like that's not going to fix mm-hmm. all the problems but also like and maybe they didn't want to misrepresent any mental health disorder um but the fact that it's just nondescript you have seven medications you yeah. are mentally ill period period like <laughs> yeah no don't have to talk about that anymore like that's yeah. just what you are like we don't have to talk about specific symptoms or specific disorders, just... And and if their reason was we don't want to misrepresent, then they didn't do nearly enough research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, he, he has such good lines. Like, there's a... They, they bring it up multiple times of death. I hope that my death makes more sense mm. than life, which is, like a feeling that a lot of people might experience. He also spells sense like money, mm-hmm. and I wanted to give a reason for that, like, oh, is that alluding to, like, the rich having too much yeah. power? <laughs> and then they don't address yeah. it, and I'm like, yeah. oh, well, fuck you, Todd Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> and then they have, oh, what's the other line with them? Um, something about... Like, the thing about... The worst thing about mental Ill- about having a mental yes. illness is that people expect you to behave like you don't. Yes. I loved that quote a lot. I, like, thought about that for hours laying awake in bed. I was like, wow, yeah. And that is a nice quote, and they, like, linger on it, and, like, it exhausts him to write it on yeah. the page. Like, he writes it and With then, like, falls With his non-dominant hand. But, again, it was just the movie was like, that's all I need to say about that. Yeah. We don't need to look into that any deeper. Because, <laughs> like, like you get, like you guys said, like, Wow, what a good line, and it's so true. But then, like, the mm-hmm. movie's just... <laughs> there you have it. Yeah. Okay, guys, I think we could rant about this movie for a while, so why don't we take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the ways that we would change the movie. Sounds good to me. Sounds great to me. Guys, has this ever happened to you? You're laying in bed. Yes, that's happened. Yeah, it's, uh, I've laid in bed before. Have you ever been eating in bed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, All the time. yeah. That's definitely, like, where I eat my meals. Do you get crumbs in your bed? Not yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of cereal. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're in luck. Here's a mattress that you'll never have to worry about getting cereal crumbs in ever again because it's made of cereal. Introducing the Booberry Mattress. This mattress is made 100% of booberry cereal, and so if you spill booberry in it, you can just eat the mattress. It's not going to affect your sleep one bit. You're not going to be like, oh man, I'm sleeping on crumbs, because you're always going to be sleeping on cereal. Wow, and I've actually heard that every year you spend with your mattress, it accumulates more and more pounds of your dead skin cells and sweat. Not with this mattress, because it's going to be reducing in density because you're eating some of it every night. Are you telling me I can finally have a nice glass of almond milk before bed without feeling the guilt of my other mattress? That's exactly what I'm telling you, Thom. And Booberry Mattress will deliver straight to your door. So call Booberry Mattress right now or go to BooberryMattress.com. 
Com and order yourself a new mattress. You have to know that as expensive as it may seem, it does have uh, plans for you where you can pay per month for the next six months. It is an achievable mattress for you. And it is the most important rest you'll have all day. Also, listeners can use promo code 2BALDMEN to get 20% off their Booberry mattress. You're going to have 20% less Booberry in your mattress. You're going to get 20% off of the mattress. Boy, oh boy, I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready to go out and purchase those goods or services. Yum, yum. Um, so we all have... I, I think we liked a lot of things about Joker. Um, I mean, Danielle, you rated it a four and a yeah. five. Um, but I think there are still things that we would change about the movie. And I wanted to hear what you guys would change. I definitely find it interesting that all of us rated it so differently, but we're all complaining about the same thing and complimenting the same thing. Mm -hmm. So it it really comes down to, to me, like where we are and how we feel, Um, not necessarily the piece itself, because I'm sure I may have enjoyed this movie in my late teens, like when I was into Fight Club or Boondock Saints, and I was into like this, like, uh, not worshiping, but admiring the like chaos. Mm-hmm. But now I'm, I'm just like, <laughs> now I'm just like, I want some wholesome goodness. <laughs> get me, get me back to Dark Knight, where they're on two boats and the prisoners or the convicts throw out the bomb so <laughs> that they so that they might have to die. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if this movie came out when I was 15, oh my god, I'd have every poster in the world (laughs) about this fucking movie. (laughs) Um... Uh, but you asked the question and I did not answer that's it. No, that's fair. No, I think that's an, uh, an, uh, another element to the movie. Um, I saw on Facebook, Danielle, you might have actually shared it, mm-hmm. but it was like a post that said, like, childhood is idolizing Batman, adulthood is realizing the Joker makes more sense. And yeah. I was like, your, your teens is is when you're like, yeah, Joker's the way to go. I did share that, and I tagged my friend, and I have been sending voice memos back and forth about, like, our feelings on him, so I tagged her, and I did, like, the the shocked face emoji, so I was like, yikes. Um, I've seen, in adulthood, you realize Sharpay from High School Musical mm-hmm. isn't the villain, and I read through it. And they're wrong. Sharpay is still the <laughs> villain. Still, yeah. It's all about intention, and she wanted the musical for herself. Sure, she worked for it, yeah. but but she was selfish about it, and that doesn't... And mean. Yeah. She's a mean girl. <gasps> mean girls. Joe Kerr. <laughs> Two syllables. <laughs> Two syllables, one word. Two girls, <laughs> one cup. No, no, edit. No. <laughs> I was hoping you were going with two bald men. Uh, but you did it, and I'm Oh, upset. no. Is our podcast name a spoof of two girls, one cup? Oh, my God. I'm so upset you said the title again. <laughs> now I can't edit it out. <laughs> I really want to answer your question, Joe. (laughs) How would I improve, or how would I make better, or how would I fix this movie? First off, I don't actually think I have these skills to do it, (laughs) but I do have these concepts. (laughs) Um, I appreciated Arthur's mother being an unreliable narrator. This idea of Tom Wayne is your father... And then he goes to Tom Wayne and he's like, what? No, she was crazy. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I don't know who I am. And I'm adopted. Totally new. And then he picks up a picture that does say, like, love your smile dash T-W. And it's like, wait, was she an unreliable? And I was into that questioning. I was not into Arthur's unreliable narrator because it was... One, much more obvious, and I saw it coming. And two, it didn't feel like it had enough purpose to it. They could Mm -hmm. have either capitalized on that or uh, just done a better job of questioning which parts were reality and which ones weren't. Mm -hmm. I'm going to 
somewhat disagree and somewhat agree. I agree with what you just said, that they could have done a better job with it, but I really did like the unreliable narrator, because I think it made me think more about it. It gave me more to think about, about is this real, is this not real, like, for days later that I kept talking and thinking about it, so I liked it in that sense, but I do agree that it could have been, like, a stronger element in the movie. I, I... I feel like the unreliable narrator, which I first learned about in Catcher in the Rye, um, <laughs> has purpose in, in like a character development. But the piece that they were doing here, it felt like they were pushing another agenda that is dismissed by this unreliable narrator. It feels more like we did it so that you would think about it more, mm. not because it has a purpose. Uh, I'm thinking as far back as Inception, where at the very end he spins the top, and then we don't actually know whether he's in a dream or if he's, if he's in reality. Mm-hmm. But the purpose of that wasn't to keep you questioning, or in my mind it wasn't to keep you questioning, it was to notice that Leonardo DiCaprio's character no longer cared mm-hmm. whether he was in reality yeah. or not. And that, to me, served a better purpose and a stronger purpose than what they did in The Joker. Yeah, I I guess I'll also somewhat agree and somewhat disagree. I, I liked the unreliable narrator stuff. I liked seeing... Um, this wasn't necessarily unrelatable... Not unrelatable. <laughs> He's so relatable. <laughs> um, unreliable narrator. But it's just kind of a view into how his mind works when he's watching uh, Robert De Niro's late night show. And he, like, imagines that he's in the audience and then Robert De Niro, like, wants him to speak and, like, he comes out on onto like the show so he's on camera and like Robert De Niro hugs him and he's like man I wish you were my son Mm -hmm. um I wanted more of it um I think it seems uh I guess purposeless um is kind of how I was taking your point Alex I think it's because there wasn't enough of it like I loved when they revealed that the neighbor was not actually dating him Mm -hmm. um because, again, you see, like, how delusional he is, and it's, like, what's real. But I wanted more reveals, I guess. Like, I would have loved if at the end when they, like, pull him out of the car, it's and, like, he thinks it's all these people who are, like, you're our hero. It's actually just, like, a paramedic, like, yeah. oh, man, this guy was in a bad car crash. Let's get him out. <laughs> um, or, like, when he's on the talk show... Like, there's security guards, like, how'd this guy get on stage? And, like, pulling him off. And I understand why structurally that doesn't, wouldn't really necessarily work, but um, that's what I wanted to see more of, and that's what I would put more of in the movie. Yeah, Joe, you, you mentioned off mic the idea that maybe the the murders that seemed a bit more justified are less justified by maybe having a flashback where, yes, they were bothering him, but maybe not as aggressively as he imagined, and mm-hmm. so suddenly his murder seemed less and less reasonable. Um, and I I like that idea, that concept. What I didn't like was how over the top, and it may be because they only did it once, they were with... he Arthur was never dating the neighbor. Like, all they needed, which they did, was the neighbor comes out... And she goes, oh, like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. you live down the hall, right? And that was plenty to inform mm-hmm. us that he had yeah. made it all up. And instead yeah. they spend another 30 to 40 seconds of flashback, flashback, flashback. She was never there. She was never there. She was never there. Like, way to hit us over the head. Mm-hmm. Those flashback scenes could have been used for the things that you were already describing of. Maybe the first flashback is she wasn't there. The second flashback was the guys weren't beating him up as he thought. Third flashback was that his mom was asleep before he killed her. And he made that part up in his head. Mm. Like, yeah. there was... Oh, there were opportunities there, again, that were missed. No, yeah, I think definitely it seemed like with that part, with um, her saying you live down the hall and then the flashbacks was almost like, well, my audience may be dumb. So, <laughs> so let's just make sure that they get it. It's like in a... 
Batman versus Superman, where he's like, Martha, Martha, Martha. <laughs> flashback, flashback, Martha. Yeah. Okay, I think we're on the same page okay. now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is totally off topic, but as soon as you see like the the theater marquee, I was like, are they really gonna show? Batman's parents getting murdered again. Yeah, I and then was like, did. come on. Yeah, as soon as they walked out, I was like, really? But I liked it. because I liked it because it showed the... Like, Joker's movement. Right. Like, now Bruce Wayne is about to start his journey to Batman, where the Joker went just went through his journey mm-hmm. to become the Joker. So I did like that, but I was like, I don't want to keep watching this. Well, at least the <laughs> pearls won't fall off. Oh, never mind. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what comic frame or movie did that first, <laughs> yeah. but if you're trying to mug somebody, what a terrible it. way to transport pearls. <laughs> you just kicked her while she's down, yeah. basically. <laughs> Although, I've I've heard arguments against this, but I do like that it was like one of Joker's followers targeting yeah. them because they're rich. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone recognizes Tom Wayne. He's, he's yeah. a billionaire. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not he was. It wasn't at random. Yeah. yeah. No, they they knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. All right. I want I want to pose everyone a question. Could this movie exist and the plot exist without it revolving around the character of Joker? Could this be a character piece about someone? Similar to Taxi Driver, where he's he's just a taxi driver. Like, why did they use the Joker other than, like, for money purposes? Yeah, so I've, I've heard the rumor that um, this was just, like, a regular movie that wasn't involved, that didn't involve Batman at all, but then they, like put it in there at the last second. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's true, because I think this is so much about the Joker and his relationship to Thomas Wayne and to Gotham. I think it could exist without him being the Joker, but then it would just be Taxi Driver. So... Yeah, I think I would still still have enjoyed the movie if it didn't have to do with the Joker and it still would have made sense but I think the fact that it did have to do with the Joker made it more enjoyable more interesting and just better in my opinion I think it allowed for background pieces and hidden easter eggs Mm -hmm. but I mean in this world of reboots and sequels I wouldn't mind a new taxi driver and even in the context of taxi driver was funny and if you wanted to recreate Taxi Driver, but it not be funny, I think that would also yeah. be impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just felt a little, let's make money, which yeah. I understand, I get it. All movies are just trying to make money, <laughs> but with in such a saturated superhero industry, I didn't need it. Mm-hmm. I think for me, knowing that this was... A backstory did actually make it better for me. Like, if this were just a movie on its own, like I said, I'd like it. But knowing that this is a backstory for the Joker, I liked it more. Like, watching these little, I guess, puzzle pieces be put together where I'm like, aha, he's dying his hair green. Or mm-hmm. when one of my favorite parts was when he was like, oh, can you call me Joker when I go out? And he's like, Robert Nero's like, why? And he's like, well, that's what you called me on your show, you called me Joker, and I was like, there's the name, like, little things. And then Robert De Niro's like, sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah. Did I make fun of him? No, yeah, whatever, right. let's move on. Which, speaking of, that part... <laughs> That's a, well, no, yeah, we need to talk about yeah. this. While he was on the show, I think something I would change would be, which I don't even know if I'd... Just a problem that I had was um, while he was on the show... And he starts getting, like, clearly very, very... Well, first he admits that he murdered the people. Mm-hmm. Which, on one hand, Robert De Niro's character could have just been like, okay, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, and he just wants to, like, be famous. But, I mean, if someone's on a talk show saying, I just killed people, if it were me, I'd be like, get him out. But that scene definitely well, went on. Well, the producer said, edit, yeah, edit. Yeah. And he was like, nah, <laughs> nah I got no, this. don't worry. Yeah. So that, to me, was very um, unrealistic. The fact that he's just, like, talking to him. Like, oh, so you murdered them. Like, what do you... Mm-hmm. It almost seemed like he was... Um, like, info dumping, if that makes sense. Like, they, it was, like, I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, 
he wanted more explanation at that point, so they used that as a plot piece. But then it wound up in him being murdered, which I guess then was the result in the full form of Joker. But that scene definitely went on for way too long, which was completely unrealistic. Yeah, his knock-knock jokes and what do you get when you cross a blank with a blank was like... Again, Todd Phillips being like, this is what this movie's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just shoving it in your face. However, I did, I do have to say, I did like the fact that he got that upset on the movie. I mean, on um, in on. that scene, because he wasn't laughing at all. His mm-hmm. true emotions were showing. And I think that was probably the only time that we saw that happen, right? Yeah, uh, of his anger? Yeah, like, that was that was real. There was no laughing. Like, we saw the real anger and emotion, which I, I did like with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of, I did hear from some other interview that because of, like, Joker's condition and because he also tries to laugh to, like, match what other people are laughing at because mm-hmm. he wants to fit in, they mentioned that the only time he laughs genuinely is in, like, the epilogue where he's talking to the psychiatrist and he's Mm. laughing at, like, oh, you just wouldn't get it. Yeah. Which brings up the point, I would have ended the movie with him dancing on the cop car. Oh, yeah. I would not have had that epilogue-y stuff. Mm -hmm. It, again, comes back to this unreliable narrator thing of, like, was he just telling a story? Right. Or did everything happen? Mm-hmm. Were his feet covered in blood because yeah. he killed uh, the psychiatrist at the end? Or was it just for us, the audience, to, to like, like notice? Yeah. I think there's some symbolism like throughout the movie that we haven't really like touched on that much. But when he's first at the hospital getting the records like for his mom, it's like really disgusting and dirty. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, like the epilogue part, it's like, Pristine, pristine yeah. and white, and the only color is the blood coming off of his shoes. Yeah. So I think there's some sort of like again unreliable narrator where it's like maybe that like the joke he was thinking of was like the whole story leading up to him dancing on the cop car, and that's why he was laughing when he was talking to the social worker, or maybe he knew that he was going to kill her, and that's why he was happy. Yeah. But again, because the movie like doesn't clue you in except for when the reveal that he wasn't dating the neighbor, you don't know what to think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, it felt cheap. It wasn't mm-hmm. like you don't know what to what you think, and so you're gonna debate it. You're gonna research it a little. It was just you don't know what to mm-hmm. think. Hopefully, p- people talk about yeah. the fact that they don't know what to think. Right. Yeah, no, I think the cop car scene would have been a perfect ending because, this, like, when he puts his arms out, that was, like, the same thing he did when he was on stage doing his his act, and, like, mm-hmm. no one's following him. No one... Everyone's uncomfortable, and here he did... He's doing it, and he has all these followers, and I think that would have been the perfect ending to that because we all know that he winds up going to Arkham, mm-hmm. so that was it. I don't think that was very necessary. We know what happens after that. All this other stuff is what we didn't know what happened, I guess. And there's even a clip where when he's talking to his social worker of him, he used to be institutionalized. And they have a fast clip of him bashing his head Mm -hmm. against the wall. And that could have been a flashback or that could have been the present where he was thinking about, like, this story. But... It just makes it a less interesting story if that was the reality. The fact that he was telling a story. Um, And then it makes it an annoying story when we don't know the right answer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) In the context of what would I change, it would probably be the message. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not a fan of nihilism is nihilism is nihilism. Mm -hmm. Um, When we talked about uh, Russian Doll, we compared nihilism with existentialism and there was like a contrast there um even though they're not like exactly opposites but i think joker was missing morality like maybe he was missing batman (laughs) (laughs) he he was missing oh there it is (laughs) he was missing like a character or two or a scene or two that really solidified that like no, there aren't only bad people in this world, but yeah. he's going to keep being himself anyway. Yeah. I think that's a stronger Joker than, 
a justified Joker because the world sucks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like, everyone was shitty. The mom, the cops, or the detectives. Like, you just pull out a gun in the subway with a bunch of people there, accidentally shoot someone, yeah. and then are surprised that mm-hmm. these soon-to-be rioters start attacking you. <laughs> right. Yeah, and the whole, the thing that he kept, how he kept saying that he, like, wasn't making a political statement, I wish was changed, but then at the same time, part of me feels like maybe he didn't think he was making a political statement until he was on Robert De Niro's show. Mm-hmm. That's And that's possible because there, there's always that conversation of when you create art, not that Joker was creating art at that time, but mm-hmm. <laughs> when you create art, you have an intention. But as soon as it's released to the world, whatever they interpret it as, that's now mm-hmm. what the art is. You don't right. get to keep holding on to it once it's revealed. Yeah. Um, and I do like that idea of Joker being like, I'm not political. Oh. Maybe I... Okay, no, I can go with this if that's yeah. what gets me an audience. <laughs> yeah, no, I think once he was on the show and when he started getting all angry and even like that joke he was trying to make, like, what do you get when you cross a mentally ill person and society and whatever? The society that turns its back right. on you. Right, that's what I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. that's mm-hmm. political, so. Yeah, you you clearly do believe <laughs> yeah, in something, right. Joker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I think this movie could have, you know, approached nihilism differently. But I, th- I think it's the I think it's the way that like Rick approaches from Rick and Morty. It's just <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just smarter than everybody else. Like everyone's problems are silly and I'm just laughing at them. So yeah, and, and Rick has Morty to contrast that. Right. Exactly. And the, the only way to make Rick be as funny as he is or really establish his character is by pointing out that he's kind of wrong but still prefers to live in that state. Mm-hmm. That's the Joker that I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's wrong but he prefers it. Yeah. Chaotic evil. Yeah, I gotta get to D&D. Uh, see you guys <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Please, tune in next time when we talk about Nickelodeon's Liar Liar Vampire and Finding Yourself. If you liked us, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 2 underscore bald men and find us on Facebook. Don't forget to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thank you all again, and if you were driving, we hope you got to your destination safely and on time. <laughs>